Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness, and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at 9 with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. That's right. We finally made it to Friday, and it's Friday, February 17th, and today is National No One Eats Alone Day. It's also National Cabbage Day for getting out there and getting that paper. It's National Caregivers Day because, of course, no one eats alone today. And, of course, it's also National Random Acts of Kindness because you couldn't be considered a caregiver without random acts of kindness. Thank you all for joining us and getting high at 9 with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms, especially right here on YouTube. And you can use that fancy little QR code up in the top left portion of your screen to find exactly where we live on the Internet. We're live every Monday through Friday on YouTube and audio only on Clubhouse. And if you are joining us in Clubhouse, you can also participate in the show by raising your hand if you have a brief comment on the story most recently presented. You can also find us now on, on Apple iTunes podcasts and Spotify and a whole bunch of others. So make sure you check out the podcast and download a few and check it out. But without further ado. Oh, yes, that's right. We have the dope dad himself. That's right, Rico Lameet. When he's not when he's not counting cabbage, you can count him being happy with the cabbage with all of his data and resources to go from happy cabbage. That's right. It's the dope dad himself on National Cabbage Day. Rico Lameet. Oh, yeah, Jason. So I have a, a story that hopefully Roz McCarthy is going to be joining me on for uh, this one. She said she's in the back room. So uh, definitely because I don't want to speak erroneous on this one. But um, it's coming from uh, Health News Florida by Dara Kim. Um, judge sides with the state on black farmers, medical marijuana license, and deceased grower case in Ocala, Florida. So farm and rancher Moton Hopkins was among dozens of applicants for state licenses earmarked for black farmers recognized as class members of a class action lawsuit win over racial lending discrimination um, by the federal government. The Florida Department of Health officials gave Hopkins' uh, applications the top scores of the batch, but his application was ultimately rejected because he died before the process was complete. His heirs and partners challenged the decision, arguing that the state illegally relied on an unpromulgated and promulgated rule in denying the license. But this Tuesday, State of Florida Administrative Law Judge Gary Early upheld the decision. In a response to public outcry, Early wrote this. Not to be overly simplistic, but the only material fact bearing on this case is whether any of the petitioners listed in the style of this proceeding are a recognized class member of the reference litigation. They are not. The only recognized class member was Moton Hopkins individually, and he is deceased. Thus, there is no living applicant to whom the license may be issued. A 2017 law provided framework for medical cannabis requiring health officials issue licenses to people with ties to, to class action Pigford litigation. After years of public backlash from black farmers, local activists, and cannabis advocates, state health officials finally began accepting applications for the, uh, for the black farmer license March 2022, well after the medical industry had taken off in Florida, leaving the Pigford class farmers years behind the corporate entities they'd soon have to compete against. In a January administrative complaint filing, Hopkins lawyers argued the license should go to the entity, not the individual affiliated with the application. The lawyers even asked early to determine whether health officials erroneously relied on an un 
adopted rule that licensure qualifications are personal to Hopkins. Thomas Sosnowski, the lawyer representing the Hopkins applicants, said Early's ruling is expected to be appealed to Tallahassee-based First District Court of Appeals and noted during a hearing on Friday, an attorney representing the Department of Health likened the black farmer's cannabis license to a plumber's license. As we'll argue on appeal, the department's interpretation that the Pigford license is like a plumber's license and Judge Early's ruling agreeing with the department that calls into question the entire Pigford license provision in the statute because, as we'll explain in our appeal papers, that interpretation is unconstitutional. A 2016 constitutional amendment authorizing medical cannabis in Florida says a licensed medical marijuana treatment center um, must be an entity, he argued, pointing to a separate ruling by the first district in a case rejecting a Tampa man's attempted attempt to grow his own medical marijuana. Our position is that the Constitution provides that MMTC or medical marijuana treatment center licenses need to go to entities. So the interpretation of that statute permitting or requiring an MMTC license to go to an individual, a natural person or position is that it's not authorized by the Constitution. So um, Roz McCarthy, um, she actually uh, is intimately um, um, involved with this one um you, you want to help us out with, on, on this What's going on <laughs> hey, there? What's I, up, I know I, can you hear me yeah what, what, yes what, yes what, yes what, 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 state of florida hey jason Rico, it's been a minute so happy to hear you guys and so happy to hear to be you on and yeah so listen you know the the issue is in the state of florida is that you know um florida as diverse as it is is still so antiquated and the fact that we are arguing over one black farmer license is really sad, just off off face value, just to start out with. But right. this particular um, issue is the fact that for those that don't know, the black Pickford, these were farmers who uh, filed a lawsuit against the USDA farmers back in the 80s, late 80s and early 90s. And these farmers um, from, um, formed together, did a class action lawsuit, won that lawsuit, and they were awarded damages for discrimination, lack of resources, lack of loans for farming, the whole nine yards. So when the state of Florida medical program was coming on board, they wanted to give black farmers an opportunity to get be a part of it. But the way they did it was ass backwards. And so it is now been almost uh, six years since the legislation um, put the language in. And they just now, um, December of 2022, actually awarded the license. They just put the application out for the license in October. And unfortunately, this group was, um, and there's been groups that were trying to find these farmers. But guess what? These farmers were in their 60s when they filed the lawsuit in the 80s. So now these farmers are in nursing homes, they're aging. And literally what they're saying in this is that since this farmer passed away, that means the right to go after this license under the law passed away with him um, it, and it can't be transferred to the estate. So that's what the issue is. I'm sure the group was trying to sue based on the fact that you trying to figure out a workaround, but the state of Florida is so restrictive that they're not going to try to figure out a workaround. They, in their mind, they're like, okay, if you were the um, litigant and if you were the Pickford farmer and you passed away, then that opportunity is not transferred over to your family. And I don't care what happens. I don't care how many times you try to go and appeal it. I don't see this case being overturned at all. This sounds like a social equity license in California, Roz. <laughs> but you know what? It's even worse than a social equity license because at least with social equity, you got multiple and you have you know different, different opportunities. You have different level of licensing. Let me remind you guys also in Florida that Florida currently right now, as it's structured, you get one license and you're responsible for being the operator of cultivation, manufacturing, processing, retail, delivery, everything under that one license. And that's the reason why it is such a lucrative license to have. And that's why people are fighting to get it and not waiting for, hey, wait, let's wait for the next application uh, round because it is a license that actually allows you to control your destiny from the top to the bottom and get prepared for adult use that is happening. The right. end of that story. Um, talked about True Leave as one of the operators in the state of Florida that has the most stores in the state of Florida is also fighting to get um, a, adult use 
um, legislation on the on the amendment or on the ballot for Florida to vote on. And I, from a business standpoint, I understand why they're ready now to open up. They have all the real estate. They have all the opportunities. So now they're like, okay, we want adult use. And I don't blame a company for saying I want to grow and be profitable. I, I blame our lawmakers on creating a system that literally, instead of having a vertically integrated opportunities, why didn't it have to be, why couldn't it be horizontal? Why couldn't we've had it where you can have a license here in one category and maybe one in another category or, and then be able to really um, support social equity. So it's a mess in Florida. I'll just put it to you like that. Do you, do you think they, they, have, for... they have a chance in the, in the appeal with this one? No, I, I me personally, no. I don't think so. Especially, let me let me tell you something. Especially since the state has already ruled against, they're going to continue the argument of saying that this particular this 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 batch of licenses was specific to Pigford farmers. This Pigford farmer is no longer living. His um, status as a Pigford farmer is not transferable to an estate to family members. Therefore. And so what they're trying to fight now is the whole lit- even, the whole even, gap. Even after precedent, even after precedent was um, was made with the other case that, uh, that they came up with, they cited the what other precedent? case. Um, they cited precedent with the other case where a gentleman was um, trying to create his own grow, his own personal grow, and they said it had to to get a grower's license or a cultivation license. It had to be tied to an mm-hmm. entity. So that created precedent for them. Um, that's what what they're basing their appeal upon. Yeah. I, I just don't know if that holds a new water. And like, I'm not an attorney and I, you know, and I'm not against anyone who's trying, you know, litigation is what litigation is supposed to be to try to try your, your hand at trying to get it, you know, get it turned over in your favor. So, you know, God bless them. And, you know, maybe it will work and maybe it won't, but from face value and based upon Florida's history and what I've seen, I just think it's going to be a hard, hard, um, you know, mountain to climb. And let me tell you something, as long as litigation is happening, not only for, for Moulton Hopkins team and also for any other team that's litigating about the Pickford license, the the one licensed person that did win, they're not going to be able to start, you know, if I'm not mistaken, that license is held up in regards to starting to execute that until all of these different lawsuits are, are you know, are, are taken care of. So it's just a, it's just a sad situation all the way around. Can I get a question in here? Uh, my Go question would be for, for Omar actually. And is it normal for a license to be passed down from an individual? I mean, would that normally happen? Well, it might be part of the state when they pass away, but I can't help but thinking that if instead of a black farmer, we were talking about white private equity and the money being passed down through the the family office, that the state would have taken a very different position. Uh, Ron DeSantis's administration in Florida would probably have sided with white private equity and not against the black farmers. So I think uh, there's a lot of legal realism in what Ross is talking about. She doesn't have a lot of faith in, you know, the uh, Florida courts of appeal to write this wrong, but generally uh, depends on how it's structured. You know, the the title uh, would pass down to the state. Uh, but we see that same problem with cannabis licensing in California. Like sometimes people put the license in their own name and then they want to sell it. Hold on. The social equity on. licenses, Omar, the social equity licenses, you can only give to another person who's qualified on, under social equity. You can't give it to your relative, to Jason, your son or none this of that. Federal discrimination. These people were, were were just left out to dry. Their families just left out to dry. I was just, I'm just referring on the transfer, the transfer. Right. I'm right. only speaking to the transfer. That has an opportunity to acquire generational wealth and they're being frozen out and it's not fair and if it was white private equity i bet there would be a very different outcome yeah, yeah. the equity well, permit so, is given they, to that person because of their negative interaction uh, with the justice system the presupposition of institutionalized white supremacy it it logically makes sense to continue to offer that um to their progeny uh, because those progeny are still affected by the inability of that uh, original person to gain wealth or position or resources that he could then pass down. Right. And that would be the argument. But in the state of Florida, with the with the judges that are have been oh. impacted by, you know, I mean, we just I mean, it's just a, I'm being pragmatic versus yes. being hopeful. And Omar is exactly it should be if it were if it were a different story and a different you know, if your white white equity passed down, it could be a whole different conversation. And Jason is right. Like when you look at this, 
um, it is not fair in California. Like if you're a social equity operator and you have that license and something happens to you or, you know, unfortunately, like for that, for your business not to be passed down to your family since you were the, you know, you were the harm person. Well, not, that actually, not, well, but Roz also too, the whole selling point was that for people to be able to create generational wealth. Well, right. Exactly. That was the whole selling point. Exactly. So it's what it's, it's, it's bogus and it, it, it shoots hole into the whole social equity conversation and Socialist the equity. legs that it has to stand. It, it, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just, it, it reeks across the board. So, Sean, that's that's the state of Florida. Sean, Sean, twenty seconds or less, and then we got to go go to commercial. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, listen, I stand behind Rico and Roz as one hundred percent correct. My arm on their shoulder, but behind them, ironically, as both a social equity candidate myself in LA who saw the shit show and what it's all really about, um, but also uh, as a white man and as an ex hedge fund manager, portfolio manager, but also as a broke dick private who used the GI Bill to go to Berkeley and get onto Wall Street and get that ascendancy. We've got to start not only elevating the black and brown story, which we are doing a great job, but we also need to link it to the class issue, which people on this show are doing a very good thing. Because until we connect the, our poor black, you know, brown and uh, brothers to the poor white community as right. both being oppressed ass motherfuckers being exploited in a capitalist system, we're not going to proceed. And that's not going to happen until we look at our black and brown brothers and admit that there has been an institutional fucking war on their entire community for hundreds of years. But it's also we're not going to proceed until we acknowledge that if we look at the numbers, more poor white men and women have been arrested for drug crimes and more black. And, uh, but at the end of the day, the disproportionate impact because right. of the systematic racism, our black brown brothers are both true stories and that would be my final commentary on this story i appreciate yep. giving me the thank time. you thank you sean we got to keep it moving we got to move to commercial right now we're already behind when you want to grow some of the best weed in the world, then you must start with the best genetics in the so world. Go to www.dnagenetics.shop to order regular feminized or autoflower beans. All of your favorite DNA genetics cultivars such as Kosher Kush, Skywalker Kush, and oh yeah, Chocolate Truffle Shuffle. Boasting more cannabis awards for their award-winning genetics than any other company in the world. Remember to go to www.dnagenetics.sa H-O-P to see why our Terps don't lie. Oh, yeah, everybody. If he ain't at Green Street wheeling and dealing, he might be out this evening celebrating that Matt Gates victory on beating his child. Oh, the, the, the nothing, the nothing sandwich, <laughs> the nothing burger. Coming up next, yeah. you know who it is. It's exactly. the longest continuously operating retailer in the game, Jason Beck. That's right. And congratulations to my good friend, Matthew Gates. <laughs> that's a case. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. But, oh, boy, you guys, do I have a doozy for you? And, man, is it going to cause some controversy? Because it's, there's some shit getting done, and some people don't like it. Because a Senate Veterans Affairs Committee approves medical cannabis research bill. That's right. The Senate Veterans Affairs Committee on Thursday approved the chamber's first standalone cannabis bill since the Controlled Substances Act was enacted more than 50 years ago. That's right. The measure, the VA Medical Cannabis Research Act, is uh, sponsored by committee chairman John Tester, Democrat from Montana, and Senator Dan Sullivan, Republican from Alaska, and passed during a vote off on the Senate floor. In a quote, I like this because this bill is literally a direct result of just going out to the community and hearing from my constituents, Sullivan told Politico. And on Thursday and at town halls in Alaska, Sullivan said he's heard from veterans saying, why can't we do this? Why are all these young men and women coming home from Iraq and Afghanistan getting pumped with opioids when this might be a better solution? The bill has many more hurdles before making it to the president's desk, but if it were signed into law, it would instruct the Department of Veterans Affairs to conduct research on the impact of cannabis on veterans who are using it to treat symptoms of PTSD, chronic pain, and other ailments. What's next, you ask? Well, the bill's Senate future now depends on Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, 
who you know doesn't get anything done ever who will decide whether to put it on the floor of a standalone measure and Schumer is a supporter of pro-cannabis legislation, or at least proclaims that, but has his own plans centered around Safe Banking Act and a handful of other piecemeal weed bills. The VA was part of the deal that Schumer and a bipartisan group of uh, senators came to at the end of the previous Congress, though Tester and some industry advocates hope it may still find a place in there. And a quote, next is just hopefully getting it in a package that may include safe banking, Tester said, ahead of the markup on Thursday. Ranking member Jer Jerry Moran, Republican from Kansas, said he hadn't given any thought to how the bill would ultimately pass. According to veterans advocate Amy Rising, uh, the GOP wants the vets to move as a standalone through regular order, but she also believes it would not derail the SAFE Act if the Senate ended up attaching VETS research to that package as an amendment down the road. That all depends on, of course, on if the two parties and the two chambers can reach an agreement on Safe Banking Plus package, which we just talked about yesterday. Senator Steve Daines, Republican from Montana and chief sponsor of the Safe Banking Act, was careful in his responses to Tester's wishes. In a quote, Anytime there's a bill that starts to get momentum here in Washington, everybody wants to jump on it, Dane said. It's not about the merits of that legislation or not. It's what, it's, it's what path gives us the best chances of getting an outcome, Dane's, Dane's, uh, Dane's refrained, however, from commenting on what could be included in the version of Safe Banking Act that eventually gets introduced in this Congress. And in the House, the bill has been introduced, but not yet listed for a markup. Uh, Amy, uh, Amy Rising believes that the Senate's quick momentum on the bill could put pressure on the House to also take it up in committee and begin moving it forward, addressing veteran suicide rates and reducing the number of pharmaceutical and opioids that vets are using is a top priority for legislators focused on veterans affairs. And Rising says that that cannabis can fit into that well i'm gonna digress for a minute and because i know we have sean kiernan up here from president of weed for warriors to come and comment about this but i did uh t reach out to amy in regards to this and again she informed me that this is the fastest pathway for veterans to be able to get cannabis paid for by insurance companies and i'll digress and this is jason beck reporting for the high at nine news hour what do y'all have to say who do you want to go first, Jason? Oh, Sean. Uh, you, man. Yeah. Uh, hey, I, would, uh, I, I would offer, I think the right solution is not, hey, does anyone want to get in the arena and, and give their opinion before I do? I doubt it. But um, I invite anyone to come in and talk about my view because I think there's different perspectives here. Um, yeah. This is the real problem with this bill. Let's be fucking super clear. The VA can and is doing cannabis research today. There's nothing about that, this bill that mandates anything that can't already happen. End of story. And then second, it gives a chicken exit to the VA to not do a fucking thing, but finish an observational study that's absolutely worthless. Because if there's anything more worthless in fucking research, it's observational studies. Because they end up being propaganda pieces for everybody to push their perspective. That's the problem with this bill is it gives the VA secretary, who has been bad-mouthing and a roadblock to any cannabis progress, a call option to shut everything down. So what are we actually doing here but giving the people in D.C. and corporate cannabis that wants the Safe Banking Act a talking point to say they're dealing anything with veterans because we have good men and women in D.C. who represent us standing up and saying, until we deal with the veteran issue, not a fucking thing is getting done. That's what's going on here. I rest yes, my case. Sure. You're talking. I got a better idea. Why don't we urge Leonard Peltier's uh, pardoning, but give a right to the FBI to shut down that process in any type of uh, probational review? Why don't we give the DEA final say on what we do with cannabis policy on a rescheduling 
or descheduling decision that Biden's going to bring down. What do you think is going to happen there? Why don't we give the NCIA say a monopoly through their propaganda piece of Tom Angel a saying what gets talked about in the cannabis narrative out there? I got even better. Why don't we give Hunter Biden a, a job to pharmaceutical inventory control for CVS? <laughs> <laughs> that last is a win. Oh man! Be in special charge of the ketamine control policy and hooker policy of our country. The country has a hooker policy. Yo, these are all good points, but what I like. Hey, we need a change in hooker policy. He needs to be legalized for the safety of all of us. You're detracting from getting back to the article. I'm done. Those are all good points, and I agree with you on about 99 percent of them, Sean. Uh, and I agree with using uh, the Veterans Administration and trying to help the people that went over and committed these crimes internationally to uh, somehow integrate the trauma and stress that they've created both in themselves and in generations of other people. Uh, that's all logical in a way to get drugs legal. But it, it, we continue to avoid the elephant in the room, which is why do we stop? Why don't we just stop taking advantage of the poor and working class Americans and right. sending them across the, the, the globe? to murder people for U.S. hegemony and control of resources in a global game of risk. I pre presuppose this, right? What if when when two, uh, 9-11 happened, let's not go into the conspiracy theory side of it. What if when 9-11 happened, we did send some Navy SEALs in to try to find elements of Al-Qaeda, et cetera, and perform that judicial mission? But what if all of the people who were in the Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marines, instead of conducting a 10-year bombing and terror campaign on these people, what if we planted fruit trees? What if we gave away reading glasses? What if we offered education? What if we offered health services to these people? I posit that if we retrained our armed forces to help other countries instead of just rape, torture, and destroy them, then we wouldn't be creating hundreds of thousands to millions of damaged Americans that come home that are at risk of hurting themselves, at risk of hurting them, their spouses, unable to, to productively take part in, in our society because mostly they were tricked or leveraged into being killing bio robots for the American empire. And I think that when we discuss these stories, we really need to start talking about that because until we stop murdering people the world over, none of this shit's going to change. And giving some guy acid who fucking murdered a village is not the answer. Okay. Uh, what if we talk about uh, the actual story here? Okay, there right. we go. There we go. <laughs> How about we go back to that? Now, let me speak, Sean. Sean that sounds like a Republican. Sean, 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 let Gretchen let's speak. About, let's not talk about decades of CIA Matthew, malfeasance Matthew, and murder. Matthew, Matthew, Matthew go we got a short yeah. show. We got to get to Gretchen. Okay, cool. Uh, real quick. Sean, I agree with everything you said. You're absolutely right that this starts with an observational study, and that allows the VA secretary to kill this if he wants to. And you're absolutely correct that they are already doing uh, testing in the cannabis space here uh, and doing some research. Uh, but what this does is that it puts it on the books. And I know you say they're already doing this stuff, but they don't have to be doing that stuff. And this stuff would force them to take a look at it. And that's why it's a good thing. Jason Beck, I don't agree, or Sean, I don't remember who said this. I don't think it's going to be added to safe banking. I think if this is that was the article that said that that was not me. Okay. That was the article. Well, that's great. Well, the article's wrong. Uh, I don't think if this is going to be added to safe banking. I agree with that, Gretchen. I actually agree I with think, you on that. I think it has a much better chance of passage if they try doing it on its own. I um, agree with that, too. Loading up safe banking. That is no chance in hell of going through. Um, and from what I understand, they do want to keep uh, safe banking fairly lean. Uh, to get it through if they're going to try. That's uh, what I I've agree heard with too. everything you said, but for Congress to move on vets in any way, we have to start seeing actual legislation. It can't just be some uh, VA in San Diego that's willing to do research. You have to force the others to start looking at it as well. All right, go ahead, Sean. One last, one last word, and we're going to move to the next story. Yeah, we need a longer show where we delve diet, but there's so much to talk about. We, we, we can that. do that. Um. I want to address, first of all, my man, St. Germain, who I think is spe speaking eloquently of the situation. But let me tie it all in here. You little triggered me there, uh, Mr. Germain, when you talk about baby killers and sending people over. And let me tell you why. Most of these poor brothers and sisters of the Rainbow Coalition that come into this fucking army, they're just poor motherfuckers looking to put food on their table. Agreed. Because we have a predatory fucking system. Until we stop with the fucking just pejorative name calling, because I got to be real. Most of the motherfucking 
high ground people in the cannabis industry are nothing but a bunch of privileged douchebags. Because to be in the cannabis industry, you needed to either be a hustler who was poor and using it to put food on your table. But there's a lot of motherfucking trust fund kids who don't know what it's like to be poor. And then they have their privileged access to good lawyers to get out of trouble. And we've seen this disproportionate impact on that group and how our black brothers and sisters and poor white motherfuckers are dealt with. So until we start to fucking bond and connect and acknowledge your truth, St. Germain, that we are putting policy in this world that's bad policy. And there's a huge blowback that we're not dealing with because we're not having an honest conversation because we're not elevating all perspectives to the table because we're trying to use information, which is the last fucking commodity you can monopolize in this country along with cannabis that they've tried and it's failed miserably because we've seen the blowback of shitty ass tax and regulate policy that I was bankrupting the whole fucking generation of, of good people in the cannabis policy industry. I'll You're leave right, it at Sean. that. We need to show where You're we right. can talk about it more. You're All right. right. And, and I'd like to just quickly apologize for any pejoratives or name calling towards rank and file uh, U.S. armed servicemen. I am in no way thinking that they are they are the 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 purveyors of this policy while they are pawns we do have to clearly Let's somehow find a way connection here mr jermaine we, i appreciate need... that and yes, i love sir. you brother hey come on my show radio free earth and let's chop come it up for a couple hours send me an invite let me okay. just tell you when we look at areas where we're having a problem right now it's the rank and file police and the american public we're not having an honest conversation The police have become the proletarian guards for the wealthy in this country. And average good police officers have been on the front line of shitty policy because we, voters of America, haven't taken our responsibility serious to get into the fucking involvement in government and call out this bullshit policy. Because if the policy that's being pursued and you see it in local control of NIMBYism in California, don't get it. <laughs> Is it is about keep those people out of my community. And that's a whole definition that includes everybody. So we have to look at ourselves before calling out all the other bullshit. I'm an unworthy motherfucker, and I've done a lot of amazing things and shitty things to people like my family. Sean. It's time to move forward. I'm done. Yeah. We got to move forward. That's right. It's time to move forward, my friend. Because coming up next, she's a political strategist. Actually, you know what? We're going to go to a commercial first. After that, we should go to a commercial break real quick. Go run it, Adam. Love you, John. We love is in general overall shade throwing a high and nine news are those of the individual speakers and not those of any other speaker or its followers the statements made do not constitute legal or accounting advice and our speakers make no representation regarding the legal status of any substance in any country area territory or any authorities the views expressed in this room do not establish any fiduciary relationship and our sponsors do not imply or constitute any endorsement by us or the expression of any opinion whatsoever on the part of the speaker on stage if you're an easily offended person this show is probably not for you and maybe you should go and see what you can do to help out a vet and coming up next, that's right, it is Gretchen Gailey. Oh, yeah, she's a political strategist by day and a baker by night. She also knows how to make the sausage on Capitol Hill, and she's the founder of Panoptic Strategies. Taking off the apron and throwing it on her dog it is none other than the Gretchen Gailey. Good afternoon. My headline today is coming from the Washington Examiner, and it is Fetterman checks himself into Walter Reed for clinical depression. Uh, and in the spirit of getting us back on time, I'm not actually going to read my story because, frankly, the story is not what matters here. Uh, it's really taking a look at the headline. Uh, for those who don't know what's going on, Senator John Fetterman, who was from Pennsylvania, was just recently elected, and he is a huge cannabis warrior. Last year on the campaign trail, he had a stroke. And it was very unclear of how well uh, Mr. Fetterman was going to come back from that. 
he came back and he did have a narrow victory uh, over uh, Dr. Oz, uh, who was the Republican candidate. Now, why, while I am not questioning, bear in mind, while I am not questioning the health status of Senator Fetterman whatsoever, I, I'm glad that he is out there and he is getting the help that he needs. I'm glad that they're being vocal about his mental issues and needing the help uh, that he is. But I'm going to tell you, and you're going to hear from me, and this is going to be very, very pessimistic. This was planned from day one. They, they were planning so the D Democrats could take the Senate. They knew that this man was not prepared to take office. And I mark my words, what they are going to do is they're going to have him step down. Now, why this is an issue for us is he was a huge cannabis advocate. And this is going to be a huge loss for us in the Senate that this man is no longer there and no longer going to push for expungements and push for criminal justice reform because that's all he did in Pennsylvania as a lieutenant governor. So this is a huge loss. And I would say to the governor of Pennsylvania, Josh Shapiro, who is going to have to appoint somebody new, is that they take up the same mantle and make sure that cannabis is as high a priority for them as it was for him. This Gretchen for Hyatt Nine News. Yeah, Gretchen, you're you, good. You're totally right. No, they they have he's he's in the hospital right now, to my understanding, and uh and his staff has all said that um that that he, he is in much worse shape. Weeks. Yeah, his his staff has all stated that he is in much worse shape than he was prior to when he was sworn in and everything, and that like it is very very uncomfortable to be in that office right now. That's a total about face from, uh, from what they said earlier this week, right? Earlier this week they said that he was going to be um that he's going to be fine. Yeah, they said well, that. That was like on Monday. Yeah, this is yeah. Washington. They I know. Lie. I'm just saying it's a total about face. So I, my my bigger concern is what this is going to mean for the industry and for pushing legislation forward. Yeah. What do you think is the is the most uh, popular person to to get placed in that seat, Gretchen? Well, the the word is that they're going to place his wife in that position, uh, mm -hmm. and me being a Pennsylvanian, I'm not so thrilled about that decision whatsoever. Uh, but the next steps would be to appoint somebody and then they would do a special election. How's that um, even an option to put the wife in? It, because the a, governor can appoint monarchy? anybody. The they governor want. can appoint anyone they want. Oh, wow. When they yeah. step down, the governor can do what he wants. Um, oh, and I crazy. hear that she has political uh, aspirations. <laughs> Like is she also into cannabis? If she lives with an about cannabis user, she might be pro cannabis. Hopefully, well. hopefully, we shall see. We'll uh, see. I'm not that optimistic. With we'll see. When, know, when, when will the special election end up being? Like, how long will she actually be there for, Gretchen? I would say, given that it's February, they'd probably have a special election around November, like normal time. So she could be around for a whole year. Interesting. Interesting. Wow. I what do you say, Sean? What do you say, Sean? Now, no, no offense to this chick, and a special election could put a Republican back into the seat. Who knows? Oh yeah. Who's the House Republican who is a total fraud who got elected, and they're trying to Santos. boot out? Yeah. Santos. Santos. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's not a total fraud. He's just open about lying. And hey, this is a classic problem. Let's have an honest conversation. Both sides mm -hmm. do it. And it was about getting these motherfuckers elected so they can, because they're not doing, but nothing but straw men. Yep. And there's the fucking money behind the scenes on both sides trying to control a narrative that the reality is they're in charge of both fucking parties. The problem is the system, so we right? We need to take right. both yep. of them off and give the voters the fucking voice and say, let's have an honest conversation about what just happened here and let's change the fucking uh, paradigm of America's current situation because it isn't working for the vast majority of us. Uh, Stone, Stone what do you have to say real quick on that? I was just going to say, when, when I saw Gretchen put in the chat that she was going to take the Fetterman story, I was, I was hoping it wasn't going to be something attacking him just because, I mean, it's a serious situation in our country. The American Stroke Association says that depression is a common experience for stroke survivors, which is yeah. often caused by biochemical changes in the brain. One mm -hmm. in three people experience depression at some point uh, during the five years after their stroke, especially coming in the first year of stroke. I don't know if this is some planned shit like Gretchen said. It's 100% it, planned. It's a serious issue. I want to praise John uh, Fetterman for having the courage to actually get treatment, considering only about 9% of men seek treatment for depression compared to the 25% of women. And, and, and depression affects one in 10 Americans. It's just a huge deal. And I want to praise Fetterman for, for seeking help. That was awesome. Thank you so much, Stone. We got to go to a quick commercial. We'll be right back. At True Classic OG... We live by one motto, stay true. We stay true to our legacy cut of true OG that's always fresh, 
piney, gassy, and delicious. We represent the spirit and hustle and diversity of our great city of angels, and we stay true to the spirit of this plant, doing everything in-house to ensure that you get the highest quality and consistency with every batch. And that's what made us LA's favorite OG. True Classic OG. Stay true, Los Angeles. He's a fellow dope dad and reality television star from the great purple Lone Star state of Texas. No hitting the high road to avoid paying the Delta 8 troll toll. Coming to the stage next, you know who it is, Stone Slade. Thank you, Rico. Thank you, sir. Uh, today, I, we grabbed the story out of Ganjapreneur. There's not a lot of ganja mentioned in the story, but it is important nonetheless because of the position of, of the person it's about. Earlier this month, Steve Marks, the man that that ran the Oregon Commission in charge of providing education about liquor and cannabis laws, as well as enforcing those laws, was asked to step down by Oregon Governor Tina Kotek due to some nefarious activities. Being the executive director of Oregon's Liquor and Cannabis Commission, or OLCC, comes with many responsibilities, certain perks, and access to confidential information, which is in no way uh, legal to use for personal gain. However, Attorney General Ellen Rosenbaum has announced there's now a criminal investigation in the allegations that Marks and other senior officials use their position to divert rare sought after bourbons for personal use. The officials under investigation told an internal investigator that they were paying for the whiskey and have denied reselling any of the bottles they obtained, which is yet to be determined considering the whiskey in question is very rare and hard to get, Pappy Van Winkle's 23 year old whiskey, which retails for about 300 bucks. And that's if you're lucky enough to be able to buy one from a store. Uh, they go for anywhere from 2000 to $4,000 on the illicit market. Um, the liquor so sought after, in fact, that Oregon holds lotteries for consumers to buy it. And according to the OLCC, the odds of winning the lottery for the 21 vintage of Pappy's in 2021 was about one in 5,373. However, now it looks like the odds are even lower than, than that. During the investigation, uh, Marks admitted that he had very limited bottles of the, of the top shelf bourbon routed to a liquor store, often in the Portland sub suburb of Milwaukee, where the commission headquarters is located, which is where they purchased it and kept it for personal use or also used it as uh, for gifts. Marks, who has been with the OLC, has been the OLCC's executive director since 2013, denied that he had violated any Oregon ethics laws and, and state policy. However, he acknowledged that he had received preferential treatment to, su to some extent in obtaining the whiskey as a commission employee. Now, Chris Maton is the director of the Distilled Pro uh, Spirits Program in the OLCC. He told Human Resources Investigator that he has taken orders for uh, particular hard to find spirits hundreds of times, including from state lawmakers. In a report on the diverse scheme, Travis Hampton, who is a retired Oregon State Police Superintendent and works for the OLCC Human Resources Department, said that Maiden had secured bottles of rare liquor for scores of employees, from warehouse workers to executive managers, including Marks. And Governor Kotek said uh, she called the, the conduct wholly unacceptable. Now, I think there's got to be more to the story. There's not really any information on how many bottles Marks is purchasing. Uh, from the information that's publicly available at this time, it sounds like Marks may have been, been just one of many state employees that were getting the hookup from the state's director of the Distilled Spirits Program, Chris Maton. And if that's the case, did the governor just have it out for Marks? Or are we also going to be hearing about scores of employees, warehouse workers, and state lawmakers losing their jobs? Whatever the case, I, it doesn't matter how big or small your business is, whether it's personal or government, a large percentage of the people just can't handle the power or opportunity in front of them and end up abusing it. No word yet if he's been hoarding all the best bud in the state, but you never know. I'm Stone Slade reporting for the High at Nine News Hour. This motherfucker's bootlegging. Stone, Stone, hold on. Do, do we know if this had any in conjunction with the exit of Cure Leaf leaving Oregon? I, didn't, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't find anything in connection. And did they find any special they Russian vodka? Defense of vodka. <laughs> Not that, not that I saw. There, there's more. Okay. Coming. There has to be more coming out of the story. There's all kinds all of right. rubles in his safe. There was found in the safe. <laughs> yeah, time. yeah. Oh man, what would you do? What would you do if if they found a a, a stash of Lucy's in Nicola Elliott's safe, <laughs> of menthol Newports? What would you What would you say, Jason? <laughs> menthol Newports. Who cares about cigarettes? This, things are gross. They've been banned. He even wants those. But like, this is good alcohol, bro. I've drank that before. That stuff is good. Excellent. Really, it's like yeah. a shot yeah, at a bar. Yeah, that stuff. That stuff is good. I'm. 
you know, I, I think it, I find it extremely interesting <laughs> that, there, that this is that this is even a story, um, considering, you know, alcohol and cannabis and the director of the OLCC got caught with whiskey in their drawer, bro. This is like a judge getting caught drinking vodka in their water glass. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't understand how this is a problem. Frankly, there's vodka and bourbon in everyone's drawer in Washington. This just does not seem like a story whatsoever. I, I know it, it's it's like, hey, I'm I run this thing. Can I get some free Taylor Swift tickets? It's kind of the same kind of a thing. I get some gonna. I can get myself a bottle of whiskey here and there. I don't know. It's well, corporate favoritism he was, and regulatory yeah. capture. They're capturing the regulators, and I think that's the problem. That what? you don't have impartial regulators for the old Rip Van Winkle, you know, distributors. Do you, do you think that he was um, um, asking constituents and whatever for favors? They have to get him rare bourbon in order to get anything passed. If they want a rare for a, a rare favor, <laughs> to cost a rare. a rare bottle of bourbon, <laughs> sure it costs more this than is, that. This is not rare enough. Yeah, <laughs> Take I'm it back. Sure it, I'm sure it costs more than that. But we got. Sean, we got what do you got? I just want to give amen to Omar. I mean, it's regulatory capture. That's the underlying issue with everything we're talking about and the problem with cannabis policy. But I was talking about this six fucking years ago with Prop 64. So I'm glad people have come to the uh, uh, table with the, the cold-hearted reality that's slapped everyone in the face with the absolute failure of this bullshit cannabis policy that was meant to enrich a small group of rainbow coalition of assholes. As officially Oregon's top whiskey dick. Oh man, but we got to keep it moving. Do we have another commercial, Adam? Yeah, no, Adam. Adam is maybe. Oh man, keep going. Maybe. All right, here we go. Coming up next, he's the founder of Cannabis Law Firm with office in California and New York. He's the director of the National Cannabis Industry Association's legal and illegal publisher and an author whose 2022 cannabis laws or California cannabis laws and regulations was recently released. And you can purchase on Amazon. He's you also update that it's 2023 now. They, well, they I mean, you, about to come out. well, I wouldn't I wouldn't know that if you hadn't sent me a new updated signed copy yet, Omar. So I can't tell you about all that if I don't notarize. Yes, exactly. Yes. Yes. He's also a ganjier, which is basically a weed sommelier. That's right. He's a black belt in jujitsu and he can probably kick your ass in court as well as on a mat. That's right. It is Omar Figueroa. Thank you, Jason. Happy Friday, everyone. My story is from Redheaded Black Belt by Kim Kemp. The headline is, California launches $20 million grant program to expand consumer access to regulated cannabis. The Department of Cannabis Control is launching its local jurisdiction retail access grant, a national first-of-its-kind program that will provide local jurisdictions with resources to expand access to regulated cannabis products to underserved areas. The retail access grant will prioritize areas where national surveys find high cannabis consumption, but little to no access to legal cannabis retail. This grant program seeks to incentivize local best practices by prioritizing programs that support equity operators and utilize existing licensing and permitting practices. Lack of access to California's legal cannabis marketplace threatens consumer safety and perpetuates the illegal market. By financially supporting the creation of pathways to retail licensure and creating incentives to ensure consumers have access to legal retail, these grant funds are intended to help reduce illicit market activity and provide consumers with access to legal retail stores and regulated products. Expanding access to California's retail cannabis market is an important step towards protecting consumer safety and supporting a balanced market, said DCC Director Nicole Elliott. The Retail Access Grant Program ultimately seeks to encourage legal retail operations 
in areas where existing consumers do not have convenient access to regulated cannabis. DCC on Tuesday released the grant guidelines, which outlined application requirements and begins a question and answer period that allows local governments to seek further clarification on the grant or application process. Questions will be accepted until February 24th. DCC will begin accepting applications on March 10th and the application for period, period for phase one funding ends on April 28th. This is the first time a state has offered grants to provide access to retail cannabis licensing at the local government level with over 60% of California jurisdictions not offering local retail licensing for cannabis the Retail Access Grant Program can provide much-needed assistance to cities and counties as they partner with the state to ensure consumers have sufficient access to regulated cannabis. Of the 33 counties in California that currently do not offer cannabis licenses, there are nine counties where the rates of cannabis consumption are substantial despite only having one or zero licensed cannabis retailers. In four of the nine counties, there are no licensed cannabis retailers. Butte, Glen, Madera, and Sutter. Because cannabis consumers within these areas would benefit from expanded access to licensed cannabis, these counties and the cities within them will receive priority review should they apply for a grant and implement a permitting program. Counties that currently do not have a local retailer licensing program but plan to create one are eligible to participate. Funding can be used for supportive equity applicants and licensees, environmental reviews, permitting expenses, and personal costs. The $20 million grant program will initially award up to $10 million in grants by June 20th. And after June 30th, an additional $10 million will be available to previous awardees as they issue licenses. My take is that this article is essentially a republication of a DCC press release. Uh, but interestingly, the priority review local jurisdictions which are encouraged to apply for grant funding include Amador County, Butte County, Contra Costa County, Fresno County, Glen County, Kern County, Lassen, Madera, Orange County, Placer County, San Benito, San Diego County, San Joaquin County, San Mateo County, Santa Clara County, Sutter, Tehama, and Yuba counties, as well as all cities in those 18 counties that have not yet permitted retail cannabis businesses. Now, um, this grant program is significant in view of Senate Bill 1186, the Medicinal Cannabis Patients' Rights of Access Act. This new law preempts local delivery bans on medical cannabis and presents an opportunity to the 56% of California municipalities that continue to prohibit medical cannabis deliveries originating from their local jurisdiction. California cities and counties that prohibit medical cannabis deliveries originating from their local jurisdiction must enact reasonable regulations for medical cannabis delivery businesses at the local level by the end of December 2023, or face lawsuits by medical cannabis patients, caregivers, and businesses starting on January 1st, 2024. This local jurisdiction retail access grant will help ban cities and counties, unban cannabis retail across the state so they don't get sued next year. The headline is California launches $20 million grant HEP program to expand consumer access to regulated cannabis. This is Omar Figueroa, lawyer, publisher, and Ganjiri instructor reporting from Sonoma County, California, the traditional territory of the Pomo, Miwok, and Wapo nations for high at nine, high noon Eastern. This should have been done first. You know, they care if they cared about the I mean, quote unquote this underserved communities. This money is going to get squandered. Yeah, it's going to just fizzle away. And this is going to be, I agree with all of you, but this is going to be just the same that we've been seeing in every other program that's been put forward. And relying on the local municipalities to put it together is going to be a death sentence for this. These people are going to see no money ever. At all. Ever. Exactly. Kind of like me and Jason Beck. Ooh. Whatever. It's on the way. Oh, well, oh. oh. hasn't came into your mailbox yet. <laughs> you want to come in my mailbox? I know you uh -huh. said the wrong address. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Um, we we have uh we we do have uh Troy Troy. Do you have something to say on this? I see I see you're you're up here. Yes, yes, I do. Uh, this seems to be a branch off of uh, what 
us in the green center and people, you know, really fought for to stop the uh, prohibit uh, prohi- prohibit of uh, of uh, medicine to uh, residents, private residents with delivery, which we fought really hard for and really, you know, saw the city legal legislators in 26 cities sue the BCC, which was the most hilarious, uh, not hilarious thing I've ever seen. It was like our tax money suing our own tax money and uh, for medical access. And it, like you said, I think the money with the local jurisdiction, with what I've seen, it's just going to get squandered away. And I, it'll be interesting to see how many lawsuits and stuff will come up from the medical uh, side of things. Yep, exactly. Steven, we got Steven up in Clubhouse, too. Steven, 20 seconds or less. We got to get we got to get to our next story. I'm excited about the lawsuits coming their way because they well deserve them. Uh, this has crushed the medical industry. Uh, this has crushed the industry as a whole. Um, and yeah, we need this. We need the ability to sue those who are accountable for ruining our uh, chance to do commerce in this industry. What do you guys say on this, Sean? I just want to get back. Gretchen, you haven't seen your money yet? <laughs> Gretchen, 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 Gretchen saw her money go in an envelope. That shit got mailed. I got a business you know, proposal. That was all computer I graphics. I propose a mutual agreeable solution to this issue. We, we, there's already a solution. What you pay? Someone's it's being delivered. You guys, let's yeah. all just kick in twenty bucks and give it. It's, it's Joe bucks. Biden's America. It's not Someone's my fault. The mail slow. Blend it on Pete Buttigieg or something for transportation. Your boy, your boy Trump destroyed the postal service. Maybe your card was 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 being, being tanked and is, is stuck in Ohio. Hey. Yeah, because you sent it got like burnt up in that flume It'll cloud. Be here in six months. Gretchen, nice. do you want to hear my business proposal? Well, we got to get to the next story. No, we, we don't got time for all this. Yeah, gonna, we, gotta, we have one more story. Right, Come on. Coming up next. Try to silence me. He's pulling his, base, Mark, his best Mark Zuckerberg. I bet. I bet. Right, I bet. Right, coming up, coming <laughs> up next. He's, he's an immortal <laughs> cannabis <laughs> wizard with the deep love for all things phallic under the sun. <laughs> coming to the stage next. You know who it is. It's the co-host of the What's Good podcast. Here to take us home with a little timeless knowledge. It's the Count himself, Matthew St. Germain. Morning, Rico. Morning, everybody. Happy Friday. Coming in with uh, St. Jerry Garcia, one of my best friends, and a story about Chat GPT and cannabis. Uh, Chat GTP and cannabis, not bad, not bad at all. A few years ago, I wrote a somewhat tongue in cheek blog post titled, Not Myself. This is the author speaking. Sorry. Just wanted to. Uh, uh, Cannabots, are there ro- robots coming for your weed? I just took a bong hit, you guys, and falling apart. Uh, which discussed the application of robotics to the cultivation of marijuana. In that post, I cited several articles discussing the use of robots as farmers, restaurant workers, fashion models, and even lawyers. Watch out, Omar, they're coming for you. Just a few weeks ago, my colleague Hillary Bricken authored a post, Will AI Replace Your Cannabis Lawyer? You got to find her and talk to her. In which she discussed her conversation with ChatGPT about being a cannabis lawyer, the ethical rules, and to draft a cannabis contract. ChatGPT declined to do so because it's got no balls. This morning, I read Kevin Roos's column for the New York Times. A talk with Bing's chatbot left our columnists deeply unsettled and even frightened and decided to check out Bing's competitor, ChatGPT, for myself. I asked ChatGPT some questions about marijuana, and I asked it to write a blog post. The results below are impressive, and I will summarize them for you. Uh, question one, I thought they had the best answer. What are the greatest political challenges to legalizing marijuana at the federal level? Political divide. Uh, marijuana legalization is a divisive issue among politicians and voters, with some advocating for legalization while others oppose it. Republicans in particular have been more resistant, and with the current political bu- divide, looks like nothing is going to happen. Federalism. The United States is a federal system, meaning that regardless of what happens in the states, until it's federally legal, there's going to be no progress. Public perception. Some people are still uptight. I'm paraphrasing again. Lack of research. This one's important because marijuana is classified as a Schedule One. It makes it very difficult for hospitals and universities that receive public funding to do any research. And that's what stalls a lot of rescheduling um, talk. It's Schedule One because there's no therapeutic value and you can't study it because it's Schedule One to determine if there's any therapeutic value. Ha ha. Uh, Please describe four trends in civil marijuana litigation, product liability claims, intellectual property disputes, employment law disputes, and governmental regulation and compliance. It goes on at length. Uh, and then it talks about a bit about um, the oversupply and price, uh, price decline, specifically in Oregon's market. Um, what I'd like to say real quick about, about Chappie G- GPT in general is I've been having some, some back and forth and using it as a tool to write some things, and it's got a very clear bias. 
And I've actually caught it in, in, for example, I asked it to discuss Timothy Leary and all it wanted to talk about was tune in, turn on, drop out, and then he got in trouble for LSD. And when I asked it to talk about him being the first psychologist to apply game theory to social interactions and how uh, he designed all of the forms for the U.S. military and prison uh, intake to determine your personality complexes and all these other things, the chat GPT totally capitulated that I was right. And and uh, I, I found this about uh, historical things, other things that are that are, are clear facts at this point. It's got a, it's got a clear bias, including, you know, the, the typical Google type liberal 2020 bias about a, a lot of, of things that have gone on a lot of the information that it's offered. So I'd like to hear for you guys in the last couple minutes about this chat GPT, if you all have experience, especially Omar, man, because they're coming yeah. for your job. Yeah, we, um, oh, yeah, we, actually, we actually we actually we actually implemented chat GPT can construct seemingly sensical stuff it's like the uh, uh i'm a bullshit expert you know and i can detect <laughs> bullshit and it's a it's pretty good at bullshit it's not a master bullshitter but you can use chat gtp to generate content that then has to be carefully edited and you got to screen out the bullshit yes so it can be helpful as a writer's tool and just come you know breaking the writer's block and just kind of getting the words flowing but it spews total bullshit it's not credible. And I think the difference between chat GPT and humans for now, is just that humans have critical thinking that we can like kind of have bullshit detectors that we can tell that this is not, you know, real, but imagine a chat GTP that is trained um, on different data sets and it's trained in critical yeah. thinking. Yeah. I think that's when all of us with knowledge uh, you know, economy jobs are going to be worried because, you know, what happens when billionaires think that, you know, we're freaking useless? What happens to all of humanity when there's a few billionaires and soon there will be trillionaires and yep. they're just, you know, deciding that most humans are unnecessary? We got to take over. This is a democracy. Yeah. Humans yeah. got to stand up. Hey, St. Germain, we Word. were um, over, at, over at Happy uh, Cabbage. We were, um, we actually, in our last update on our SMS platform, we just uh, implemented ChatGPT nice. into it, so people can actually uh, use it to send out their marketing campaigns. It's, it's actually pretty fucking dope. It's a lot of great, it, great It's an interesting program, and, it, and yeah, you can actually talk to it and query it about what its boundaries are. And you can see the bias, yeah. and so it's fairly clear. But I, I would just really suggest querying into what the biases are before you even begin um, discussing with it. And I agree with you, Omar. It's really cool to. Uh, I, I'm writing a screenplay with my friend and. It takes over so much of the work I put in. I, I kind of bulk input some paragraphs of information that it spits it out to me in screenplay form with set directions and dialogue, et cetera. And so as a, as a tool, it's good. But just a lot of people are, are, are taking it, uh, you know, verbatim as like Google search, which it's not. It's, it's going to it's going to wipe out probably like 60 percent of the jobs in America. <laughs> oh, easy, easy, easy. But at the same time, the people that are working are going to be a little bit more productive. Pretty yeah. soon it's going to be time to battle the killing robots, you guys. You guys, Sean, you and I will have EMP guns, bro. We'll Skynet be in is here. Together. Skynet yeah. has arrived. Hey, I, I'd like, can, I have one, can I have 10 seconds? Go for it. You got 10 seconds. I'm timing you. Gretchen, I will buy your bad debt for pennies on the dollar. Stop it. Stop it. Stop, <laughs> it. Stop, it. Stop it. We're talking about chat GPT, bro. <laughs> hey, ask chat GPT how... Go about buying Gretchen. As, as, as yeah, chat. I, I want to put in a chat, you will Jason Beck ever pay. I'm typing it in right now, you guys. <laughs> Thank you all out there for tuning in with us for yet another episode of High at Nine News. You can always catch us weekdays, 9 a.m. Pacific and high noon on the East Coast. Big shout out to our members of the live audience out there and supporters tuning in and giving us feedback on the daily headlines of chaos, also known as the developing cannabis industry. Also to our vetted industry correspondent team tuning in from all over the global community, bringing us much needed variety of perspective and adding your respected opinions to the conversation. To our production team, thank you, Cloud Media Partners, House of Fuego, and also the wonderful Jaja Simone holding things down for us over in Clubhouse, keeping our AV struggles to a minimum. And to our haters out there, Joe Biden is running for president yet once again. <laughs> Vote for him. Support, support this walking corpse in hope that he will pardon all of your sins as well. <laughs> Thank you all for tuning in. Big thank you to Cannabis Sativa L for keeping us uh, um, keeping us up on the issues every single day. And um, you know what? The show's over. I love you guys all. And um, any final words for these good people before we head out for the weekend, Jason? I'm about to try 
smoke some of this, bro. This stuff is expensive, bro. It's the most expensivest weed right here. But it ain't the rarest bourbon <laughs> from the Oregon can, can produce. Twenty five hundred a zip, bro. <laughs> we at Adam. We're slow ass computer, bro. Can't talk shit yeah. on mic. 